Hi there, I'm Robert Hurst, and I welcome you to this podcast of Safe Zone. In the midst of the crazy times we live in, let's let's slow down and share a few moments of sanity here at Safe Zone. Safe Zone is a place where we share ideas and practical tips to help create a safe and secure environment in the place where you worship. Safe Zone isn't just about you, it's about everyone that you love and care for where you worship. Let's get into this episode number 12 of Safe Zone. Well, good day to you, and as we come together this week, I am literally praying for those of you who listen that you're being safe, that you're staying healthy and standing firm in your faith, that God's in very much in control of these absolutely crazy times we are in right now. If you will remember, in our last Safe Zone podcast, we started talking about how you can standardize your response during a time of crisis and teach it to your entire organization or congregation. Now, this training is based around the standard response protocol that was originally developed by the I Love You Guys Foundation. And by the way, you can, like I said last week, you can find information on them at iloveyouguys.org. That's three, four words. I love you guys. Cram together. Org. The great part is that the standard response protocol, and I'm, I'm simply going to refer to it throughout most of the podcast as SRP, was originally designed for schools, but it's totally adaptable to places of worship and even business environments. Now, there are two things that you need to know about standard response protocol, or as I'm going to be saying, SRP. First, It is intended for use by everyone in your facility, not just a designated safety or security team. So you need to roll it out to everyone. One of the reasons that I love the I Love You Guys Foundation is that they work so hard to make SRP simple to learn and simple to implement, just so it could be used across all age groups. Little caveat here, I am a trainer of the SRP, a state certified trainer, in that last statement or that first statement, however you want to look at that, I know that works because I've taught it to all age groups already and everyone picks up on it quickly. So that's the first point that you need to know about SRP. The second thing is SRP is intended to be used across a range of disasters and crises, not just those involving some type of violent event. We call this... um, all hazards approach. So it's it's intended for that. As a matter of fact, do you realize that statistically speaking, you have a greater chance this week of having to deal with a weather-related crisis or even a medical event in your facility than you do with an active shooter coming in? I mean, the stats just say one of the first two is going to happen long before the third one does. So SRP is adaptable. It's flexible. It's easy to learn. Hey, let me give you a true story just to prove the point regarding SRP. And this regards the very, very tragic shooting at the Walmart store in El Paso, Texas in 2019. There were actually several teenagers in the store at the time of the shooting when it started. And these kids were prepared with the simple but usable lessons they had learned in learning SRP at the beginning of their school year. In other words, at school, they'd rolled SRP out to everyone, not just the faculty, So the kids knew what to do, and when they heard the shots, they were the ones that immediately began to move a number of people to a safe room where they could go into lockdown until law enforcement could come and remove them. In other words, those kids saved lives, 
SRP help them do it. So remember, SRP works, but it's not a replacement for any safety or security actions or protocols you already have. It's simply an enhancement to your existing plans. So last podcast, we set the foundation that there are five components to SRP, each with a simple directive, each with a specific action. The five components are lockout, lockdown, shelter, evacuate, and hold. So last time that we learned the difference between a lockout and a lockdown. And if you missed that discussion, I encourage you to go back and listen to podcast number 11 of Safe Zone. So for now, let's continue on with the next element, which is evacuate. Evacuate is called whenever there is a need to move people from one location to another in an orderly fashion. Now, you may be saying, particularly in a church, what could bring about the the need to evacuate? Well, what if there's a sudden gas leak from an appliance or an old heater and you need to get people out of the building? How about the need to move everyone to a safe location after a significant weather event? How about a small fire? I'm not going to say a big one, but maybe a small fire starts somewhere in the building and you know that out of an abundance of care, you need to get everyone evacuated, you would want to call an evacuation. Now, I know some of you, I can hear it right now, are probably saying, hey, we'll just tell everyone to get out. We don't need a separate evacuate order. Yeah, that's true. You could do that. But then how will you know everyone is out of your building and accounted for unless you have a rally point where you can kind of check up on them? What will you do with any children that may be dislocated from their parents at the time of the incident? Are you going to leave them there to wait on the parents to find them? Or can you maybe plan ahead and say we would all evacuate to a location and that's where we would rally up and make sure we have everyone? Now, the big key to calling an evacuate or evacuation is that it's always to a location. Now, I know that sounds like a no-brainer, but in the midst of chaos, you would need to be very specific about where you are telling people to move. And that's the way you would announce it. So, for instance, you might say, evacuate to, and let's just say you've got a corner lot or, or a store or another building. Um, we'll, we'll say to the ABC store, evacuate to ABC store. Everyone, evacuate to the ABC store. Now, let me be clear about this. If you announce the need to evacuate, always make certain to tell people where you want them to go. To evacuate brings up another question or two. For instance, have you surveyed the area around your building already to see where safe evacuation meeting points might be? What about the traffic levels on certain streets? If it's a building or business, have you discussed with the owner or proper or operator where you might go about what your plans are? Yes, you may never use them, but it would be nice to have it prearranged so there's no misunderstandings at the time of the crisis. If you're in a rural setting, what have you identified as a good rally point that's some distance from your church? If you evacuate your place of worship, do your teachers in the children's area know how to bring a roll or a list of the names of the kids that were in the nursery or in the children's area that day so that you'll be able to account for everyone where you meet? If it's your place of worship, do parents know where and how to reconnect with their kids? during or after the evacuation. Remember, you have to train parents on this. Don't just think that intuitively, big word, right, that they're going to know what to do. And how will you track what child went with which adult? Uh, By the way, we're going to have more about that 
a couple of podcasts from now. It's going to be called the Standard Reunification Method. You're going to really, really, really want to be in on that one. Now, there are a number of additional questions I could include in this very short list. And they, by the way, would not be questions I just made up. They would be the results of various challenges and trials that I have personally and professionally witnessed over 40 years of doing various kinds of emergency work. So the bottom line is to take evacuation preparation seriously and plan it before you need to do it. So at this point, we've now talked a bit about lockout, lockdown from last time, and evacuate. We'll get to the last two SRP commands right after we take our mid-program break to discuss our focus service for this podcast. Our focus time for this podcast is to highlight a ministry safety training source and tool that your church needs to be using, and it's called Ministry Safe. You can find them at ministrysafe.com. Ministry Safe's entire focus in ministry is to protect children and those who serve them. Ministry Safe was created by legal professionals who are sexual abuse experts. And after decades of litigating sexual abuse cases, Greg Love and Kimberly Norris, husband and wife, founded Ministry Safe to help ministries meet the legal standards of care and reduce the risk of sexual abuse by creating preventative measures that are tailored to fit the needs of churches and ministry programs. Now, they've got over 50 years of combined experience in this very unusual and emotionally draining and spiritually draining area of sexual abuse litigation, consultation, and crisis management. And there, Love and Norris understand the risk of sexual abuse and how it unfolds in children's programming. Since Ministry Safe's inception, more than 16,000, you heard that right, 16,000 organizations have trained over 1 million staff members and volunteers on six continents in various languages. So these are not newbies at this, folks. They've been at it. They know what they're doing. And on average, Ministry Safe trains between 25,000 and 30,000 people each month, both live and online. Once again, their mission is to pre- prevent child sexual abuse in the ministry context. And at Ministry Safe, they help you protect children and those who serve them. So if you're not using Ministry Safe as a tool in your church safety and security program, you need to. The only thing I receive is the knowledge that when you use the tools at Ministry Safe, your children will be safer, your workers will be better trained, and your church will be in a better position to protect itself. Ministry Safe. Now let's get back to our program. Okay, so now we've covered lockout, lockdown, and evacuate. The next command you might give an SRP is to shelter. Now telling people to shelter in place can seem, you know, that can seem pretty benign. But when was the last time you really thought about what it would entail at your place of worship? I I remember taking a church team I was working with and, and training them. I couldn't get the cross to them that this really is serious. So I took them all into their auditorium, and I, I just asked a simple question. Okay, team, if you receive notice that a tornado could possibly strike this building, this worship center, sometime in the next three to five minutes on any given Sunday morning, and considering the size crowd that you have, take a look at where your doors are that lead to places where you might shelter people, where and how would you shelter those in attendance at that time? And how long would it take you to clear this main room? 
And I just kept going at it. I said, have you surveyed your building to see where you would direct people? Oh, and what about the parents who are going to want to get to their kids over in the children's area? Man, I got to tell you, for about 60 seconds, all I heard was crickets. It was so quiet. Then one person very quietly said, good grief, we would be sunk. And he was right. Don't take sheltering lightly. Take the time now to walk and talk about your building and where you would shelter people if needed, particularly in proximity to your worship center. Sheltering is serious. Hope you don't need to use it, but you better be prepared if you have to. The final component of standard response protocol is the directive to hold. Now, hold simply means what it says. It says, stay where you are. Don't go into the hallway. Just stand by for additional directives. When might you use hold, you ask? Well, believe it or not, this directive can be used more than any of the others, at least based on the first-hand information that I've received over the last few years. For instance, if there's a medical emergency like a heart attack, maybe someone falls and breaks a hip, or maybe there's a grand mal seizure or some other serious incident wherein EMS has been summoned, they're on the way, and you know how that is. They come in with the gear, they come in with the people, usually with a fire engine to support, so you've got extra personnel. Obviously, you want to keep the halls clear so that crew can get in, do their job, take care of the patient, and move them out for possible transport to the hospital. So this is when you would call a hold while all of this is going on, just to keep the halls clear. Another situation related to me was when an unknown, thankfully just a frisky dog, somehow entered a building. Now, most of the dogs, I mean, most of the adults were unafraid of the dog, and they simply eventually marshaled their forces together to capture and remove the animal from the building. And I I was told he was somewhat of an escape artist. But in their case, they had already instituted SRP. So what they did was they immediately called for a hold in the building until the animal could be removed. That way there was less confusion, there was less emotions, you didn't have kids getting excited and squealing and and causing an issue, and any needed activities were later completed simply in a timely manner. Now, just so you'll know, as an aside to this, um, some organizations, it's a part of their protocol that if they call a hold, they automatically close and lock all interior doors. And that's just for the extra security and safety. Because, you know, you could call a hold if you're in a business. Um, Let's say that you have an irate customer come in. I know that schools do this. You have an irate parent or customer come in, and you just don't want people in in the hallway until you can deal with this. So you call a hold. Okay, so there it is, the standard response protocol. Let's very quickly run over all five elements again. Lock out means get inside, lock outside doors. And that's what you would call lockout, get inside, lock outside doors, lockout, get inside, lock outside doors. And what you're telling people is there's a problem in the area, but you can now get inside, we'll make everything safe, and then we can just continue with business as usual. The second one is lockdown, a bit more serious. And you would call lockdown, locks, lights, out of sight, meaning Everybody get into the room, lock the door, turn off the lights, and get out of the visual line of sight of anybody who might be walking in the hallway or in the building. So lock down, locks, lights, out of sight. You're telling people something serious is going on inside the building. Then there's evacuate. And always remember to tell people what location to move to. Do you know that it, it might be something as simple as evacuate, 
to the Family Life Center. Maybe there's something going on in the main building. Your Family Life Center is separate from that building. Um, It's not a danger, but you need it evacuated. So you could do that. Evacuate to the Family Life Center. Everyone, evacuate to the Family Life Center. Remember, you always want to give every command at least two, if not three times, over any type of signaling system that you have. The fourth one is shelter. Now, once again, I really encourage you to work and think through what this command would mean in practical terms for your building. The fifth one and final one is to hold, and that simply means clear the halls. And you could put it that way. Everyone hold where you are, clear the halls. Everyone hold where you are, clear the halls. And that means no one moves again until you're told to do so. You give the all clear signal. Simply means we need these halls to remain clear for the moment. I hope you've seen SRP is easy to teach. It's simple to use. As you can see, it's going to enhance any plans you already have in place. A little sidebar, if you don't have any pre-existing plans, SRP becomes a good focal point to start with and then work outward from there. Remember also, there are free resources for you at the website iloveyouguys.org. There you will find signs and posters and support material that you can download and print at your leisure to implement in your facility. That's it. Now it's time for your actions. I encourage you to make SRP a focal training point for your team, your leadership, and then your people within the church. Hey, now go make it happen. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and God bless. That wraps it up for this episode of Safe Zone. Take what you've learned and help bring a newfound peace of mind to those you worship with by making it a safer place to worship. Hey, if you would, please leave us a rating and comments in iTunes or whatever podcast source you use and be certain to take a moment and hit the subscribe button so you will not miss a single new episode as it's released. Feel free to forward this podcast to your friends and associates that are in your sphere of influence on a daily basis. Hey, after all, we're all in this together. Let's learn together. Let's grow together. Drop us a line at info at safetoworship.com. Contact us via our Facebook page, or you can even give us a call at 936-205-1727. Until next time, have a great day. Have a safe week. And wherever you worship, let's make it a safe place to worship. God bless and goodbye.